All right, give the Lord a hand this morning, will you? Boy, we got uh, quite a few sick, and so if you got the flu or something, get on out of here, would you please? I'm telling you, we you had a lot of phone calls between Wednesday and today, and people just dropping like flies around here getting sick. And so I tell them all the time, look, don't don't just uh, don't lie to me and tell me you're sick because you don't want to come to church. But if you're sick, stay at home. So if you got the flu this morning, get out of here. I'm just kidding around. So don't leave. I'm just kidding. If you got the flu, <laughs> Lenora, huh? Oh, you got the grandbaby there, huh? Well, bring him back. We keep him. You can go. I'm kidding around. All right. Hey, if you brought your Bibles with you this morning, go to 2 Chronicles chapter 28, okay? 2 Chronicles chapter 28. And we're going to just uh, be looking at some verses in chapter 28 and 29 and 30. We're not going to read all that together because then we'll really be here for a long time. But we'll go through it together. We're going to talk about the story of Hezekiah. All right, um, before we go there, just remember that um, there is a, a vacation Bible school volunteer meeting right after, ch- right after services in room five, in room five. And of course, if you um, would like to go to that, you're, we'd love to have you. It'll be a short meeting, just kind of get you kicked off on the dates we're going to have it and what we're going to be doing so we can start gathering some leaders up and getting some things in place for that, okay? So we sure need your help for vacation Bible school. We're going to do it at the front part of the summertime this year instead of the back side of it. And so, so we're looking forward to that. We're using a, a program that we haven't used before, and we're excited about doing that as well. All right, here we go. Um, back in the book of Ezekiel, and you don't need to turn there, but I have it on the screen for you here. And here's what it says in verse 30, chapter 22. God says, I searched for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land, so that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. And God says, Thus I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with fire of my wrath. Their way I have brought upon their heads, declares the Lord. Now listen, Ezekiel wrote those words during a time when Israel had wandered very far from God. And God was looking for some woman or some man of faith who would stand between him and the people in that gap of their their faithlessness and their disobedience. Listen close. Had there been one, God said, who would have acted righteously and prayed for the people, he would have not destroyed the people. But there was no one, not even one person in all of Israel that would stand in that gap. Everybody look, I wonder why. I mean, I kind of put myself in that text, and and I'm thinking this period of time, and I'm thinking about Israel, and and God makes this great declaration, and and he says, uh, who will stand in this void of, of, of between me and the people and to, and, to, and to minister to the people's faithlessness and their disobedience. Who will care about those people? Who will do that? And not one person in all the land of Israel, it says in Scripture, and Scripture doesn't lie, but said I would do it. I wonder why. I wonder why, why, why these 
hundreds of thousands of people that they couldn't that he couldn't find one person to stand in that void to stand in that gap to care about what god cares about to care about other people i I wonder why um had they just stopped believing maybe they just everybody maybe they just stopped believing you know life got a little bit comfortable and things disappeared and they just stopped believing perhaps they were they were just used to maybe god doing everything and they didn't have to do anything and so they got lazy there Maybe they just became lazy in their faith and uh, other things, again, become more important. And gradually over generations of time, um, it molded their culture uh, into what the world's was and not God's. You know, we got to be careful about that, everybody. Let me just say this morning that we who care, and if you're going to care about others, and if you're going to care about the lost, you need to answer that call this morning to stand in that gap and to stand in that void to other people. Can I have an amen? I believe that God is still asking, who will stand in the gap before me? Who will take me at my word and bridge the void of others Others who are faithless and disobedient, who among us will care about that and do that for him? Well, today we're going to see uh, someone in a different period of Israel's history who actually did stand in that gap. And because of his faith and his radical I will, just like the book we're doing on Sunday nights, and his obedience, his people, the southern kingdom of Israel, was preserved from destruction and experienced a great revival in their generation. Now, this man's name was Hezekiah. Now, listen close. This man's name was Hezekiah, and he lived 123 years before Ezekiel wrote those words. And his story is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 28. And it's been said that um, the destinies of societies um, are shaped by great men and women who act boldly at key times. And all throughout history... Look, all throughout history, you can't overlook that there's always been um, this courageous people who has stood in the gap for God. Can I get an amen there? It happens. And so I want you today to see yourself as that one man. Listen, everybody, listen. I want you to see yourself this morning as that one man or that one woman who can make the difference in this world for Jesus Christ. And you do it by caring. And by caring, that means that we stand in the gap for people. Huh? Huh? You know, everybody ever watched that, the first, mo- the first movie? I don't know how to say that. Um, but uh, Back to the Future? Anybody ever watched that before? Back to the Future? Raise your hand if you watch Back to the Future. Okay. All right. Bunch of Pentecostals in here. Hey, but uh, hey, um, yeah, we, we've all seen that. Remember that scene? Remember that scene where, uh, where, where, where you know, they're, they're back in the 50s, and remember they're in that DeLorean, and it's a time machine, and that car had to go um, how many miles an hour before it could? 88 miles an hour, right? And 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 you know, Marty was stuck was stuck back there because the flux capacitor didn't have the energy, the plutonium, to go. And so you remember back in that scene, Doc was up at the courthouse and he was dangling, hanging from those two wires, so he could put those two wires together, so it could send a jolt down to that DeLorean. So when it reached 88 miles an hour, exactly at 10:04 p.m., he would go back to the future. He needed a jolt. Ladies and gentlemen, look around you. Look around you right now this morning, please. There's others. There's others. And you know, some people sitting next to you just needs a jolt. Now, quit pinching her. Not that kind of jolt. (laughs) They just need a jolt. 
They just need the power of God. And God is saying to us this morning, do you care? Do you care about people? Do you care about the lost? Do you care about those brothers and sisters in Christ? Because sometimes they get away and they just need someone to bridge in the gap and say, I love you and to pray for you and to to do life with them. Amen? God's looking for people that will just give other people a jolt that'll stand in the gap and pray for them, that'll, that'll come around them and encourage them, and that, and that there's people that needs to be witnessed to in the name of Jesus Christ because they need the power of God in their lives. Everybody, look, I don't know about you. Maybe it's just me, but, but sometimes I can get a little faithless in my life. I can go through episodes in my life, even as a pastor, and, and, I, and I can get a little faithless sometimes, and I just need sometimes someone to care about me and stand in the gap. Amen? And look, all around us here, there's, we, we all are like that. And then there, there's our neighbors who doesn't know Jesus Christ as Savior, and they're just looking, and they just need someone, and God is saying, who will stand in the gap and care about those who are lost and dying and going to hell? Who God's looking for people to stand in the gap of those who are being aborted every day and to say, I care, and to pray for those mothers and to give to, 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 to places who help moms make the right decisions. You know, God is looking for people to stand in the gap. And if we're going to be a Christian by God's order and to make a difference in our community for revival to take place, we got to be a people who says, God... Here we are, here's Cornerstone, this local group of believers, and we're going to stand in the gap, and we're going to care about others, and we want revival in our church, and we want revival in our community. Amen? You know, I think a lot of times we look outside of our walls, and we say, well, there's the problem. There's the problem. Look how liberal the media is. Look how, look how dumb the, our politicians are. They're the problem. No, the problem is right here. The problem is right here because we're not standing in the gap. People come in our doors, and, 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 and ladies and gentlemen, they need a jolt. That's why they enter into our doors. A lot of times leave out the back door because they never experience that care for one another. They need Jesus Christ, and, and we're the one to stand in that gap. All right, I want us to look at uh, five things of how we can stand in the gap this morning. If we're going to stand in the gap, here are some steps into how we're to stand in the gap. You ready? Number one, number one, for personal revival to happen right here, for personal revival to happen outside of these walls, in your neighborhood, in your homes, here's five things that has to take place. If we're going to care, this is what we have to do to care. Okay? Write these down. Because if you don't do these, then you're not answering the call. And these are things that we've heard a hundred times. These are things that we sometimes get the gospel-glazed eyes over and just kind of like, oh, I know that, but we don't do it. You ready for them? Number one. Number one. um, Clean up your life. Get rid of your junk. Look at me. Get rid of the junk that's in your life. Get rid of that sin that's in your life. Because before you can stand in the gap from someone else, you've got to clean your own life up. Look at Second uh, Chronicles chapter 29. Look at verses 3 uh, through, through 5. Look at it. It says, now this is Hezekiah. Okay? Now his, I, I skipped over it, but, but, uh, but 
Hezekiah's dad was the king before him in the southern kingdom. And the Bible says, the Bible says that he wasn't a very good king. And we could go back there and look at that in chapter 28. But, but he wasn't a very good king. And, and actually it says in, in chapter 28, it says that uh, King Ahaz, after being defeated by some other armies, he, this is the king of Israel, he went and made sacrifices to, to their gods. And his thought was, well, if they were strong enough to beat us, maybe that God can give me strength to do what I need to do. I guess if you, if you can't beat them, join them. Was that his mentality? But it says he was a poor king. And now we see that King Hezekiah was, was named king, and he's only 25 years old. And King Hezekiah, he wants to do, the, do it right by God's standards. He wants to be the one to stand in the gap. Here he's taken over a nation that is far from God. And we're going to see here in a little bit that the temple has become become almost in ruins there hasn't been any sacrifices there hasn't been any rituals there hasn't been any ceremonies for years and years and years and years i mean under his dad's reign it just went completely downhill when we harbor secret sins when we harbor things in our heart and lives that we know aren't right we keep our families and we keep our community and we even keep our church from the presence of god and that's why the job is not getting done out there. We keep one another from experiencing the power of the Most High God. Do you understand? Listen to me, moms and dads, with your secret, unconfessed, unconfessed and unrepented sins, that keeps your child or your spouse from enjoying the presence and the power of God. Hello? And we sit here in our churches and we bottle things up and we have sins in our lives and we got these issues that we haven't given to God and we haven't confessed them to God and we haven't repented from them. We just keep harboring over them and they keep festering into our lives. And when you're that away, you can't stand in the gap for anybody. And truthfully, you're keeping the presence of God out of other people's lives because, listen, because you're not standing in the gap. Hey, I've been there before. I've been one of those guys, and I think if we all admitted the truth here, we all, we've all been there. But the first thing that we have to do is we have to get the junk out of our lives. Amen, everybody? Moms and dads, we've got to get the stuff out of our lives and get honest about it. You know, I look at our teenagers down here, and, and I, I always pick them a little bit, but they're just such a good group of guys and gals. But, you know, you know the possibilities that you all have in your schools and your colleges, especially you junior highs where they're still so moldable, I mean, you can stand in the gap for those people. And, and they need a jolt from God, but you can't do it when you got junk in your own lives. You've got to get it out of there. You've got to clean it up, Right? Guys, we go to work. Gals, we go to work. We can't be, we can't stand in the gap for others until we clean ourselves up. Uh, you know, back in history, one of the greatest revivals ever took place in the 20th century was, was that was that in Korea. I don't remember everybody's names because, well, maybe we'll just call one of them Dr. Kong and the other one Dr. Lee because that's pretty familiar Asian names. Maybe we'll just do that. But this is a true story. I just don't remember names that well. But, uh, but there was about, in, 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 in the 40s, um, maybe a little bit earlier than that, um, Korea was not a Christian country, um, um, but, but uh, I guess that'd be North Korea. 
But what, what happened was, there's, there was there were several hundred believers in that country, and there were several churches. Well, the churches and the leaders had gathered together in one place, and and there was there was there was leaders there, and um, as the meeting was going on, um, one of the missionaries, Mr. Kong, he stood up, and and with a with a almost a barely a whisper, he said. I have something to confess. He said, I've got something to confess, that, and, and, and it is that I have, I have had anger in my heart for Mr. Lee, which was another minister, which was the church they were at. He said, I have, I have harbored ill feelings and hatred for Mr. Lee. And he says, I just want you to know that uh, I confess that before you, and I repent from that today. The room became very quiet, quiet, and, and history says that Mr. Lee stood up from his chair, and all he said was, I forgive you, and he sat back down. Well, that service that was only supposed to take about an hour or two hours, it went on till 5 o'clock that next morning, and it's people in that congregation that had junk in their lives, unconfessed sin, Things in their lives that they knew, they knew that weren't supposed to be there, they started confessing them and confessing them and asking for forgiveness. And prayer took place, and a great revival started in that in that congregation. And listen to me. They become the people that stood in that void between God and the Korean people. At the time of that revival, when it started, there were only several hundred believers in Korea. By the end of that first year after that took place, just the first year, it's been recorded that over 50,000 Koreans accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And the very campus that this revival started at, at the end of that year, 90% of those, of those people became saved at, on that campus. Isn't that amazing? Hey, can we give the Lord a hand? But you know, that just shows us that we've got to get rid of that junk. We can't keep that junk around, that anger, that bitterness. Whatever secret sin that we're, that we're hiding, it's got to be confessed. A lack of faith, whatever it is, it's got to be confessed. But number two, it's got to be repented from. Because listen, before we can expect a revival that God wants a revival or an awakening, we've got to, we've got to, we've got to clean out the junk. Amen? Number two, number two, we have to center ourselves around Scripture. Look at chapter 29. Cornerstone, moms and dads, we've got to center ourselves around Scripture. Verse 25, it says that Hezekiah stationed the Levites in the temple of the Lord with symbols, look at it, with symbols, harps, and lyres in the way prescribed by David and Gad the king's seer, and Nathan the prophet. This was commanded by the Lord through his prophet. King Hezekiah and his officials ordered the Levites to praise the Lord with the words of David and of Asaph the seer. Do you, do you see what, what he did? Do you see what Hezekiah did? Hezekiah reestablished Scripture as the center of their lives in worship. Scripture is 
the church's life. Without the Bible, without Scripture, look, the church dies. Can I get an amen? We take the Bible serious. We should take it serious, and we take it serious at Cornerstone. You know, in, in my sermons and our music, it's all about the Scripture. Look, 90% of my sermons are expository, meaning we go through a text. The songs John and the band labors over and leads us in. Listen, those songs are scriptural. You want to know why we do that? It's because we need to hear from God and not man. And he wrote scripture because he knows what we needed to hear. Amen, everybody? You don't need some crazy preacher up here telling you stories and watered-down sermons. You need Scripture. You need God's truth. You, you need to be... You remember, my job is I'm a boxer, and I'm supposed to get you in a corner, and I'm to beat you up and not let you out until you get it. Until you get it. That's what Scripture does. Scripture tells us what we need to know. And so if we're going to stand in the gap, the number two thing that we have to do is we got to depend and center ourselves around Scripture. Not around programs, which programs are good and used, but we got to center ourselves around Scripture. You know, we don't need a worship pastor uh, leading us in feel-good songs. We need a worship pastor who reveals Scripture. And we have one. Amen, everybody? I know that. Sean knows that. Because we sit here five days a week and we listen to John play that guitar and sing those songs five days a week. <laughs> Just kidding, John. <laughs> Just kidding. We love it, John. All right. Our lives will never be effective. Never, never, never give the right jolt to someone if Scripture is ignored. That's all we're saying this morning. Number three, um, revival happens only when a, we center ourselves around the gospel. Can I have an amen to that? You know, Scripture is what we find between Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and, and the end of Revelation. That's Scripture. But we've got to center ourselves not only in Scripture, but ladies and gentlemen, we need to center ourselves in the gospel. The gospel is our message. The gospel is how we got saved. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. Everything that we do and why we do what we do is because of the gospel and nothing else. Amen? I won't go into the text here and read it because our time is getting out of hand here. But um, one of the things that Hezekiah did was is that they weren't doing the Passover. And so we see here in this text that Hezekiah... Hezekiah reestablished the Passover. Now, the Passover uh, was, was given back in the Old Testament and when they were still in Egypt. And remember, the Passover was is that if they would put the, the blood on their doorpost and then the death angel, that, that curse of death, would pass over them and not, take, not, not, not let death pass into that family. Now, if we kind of go forward a little bit for us, you know, um, for us, um, it's Jesus Christ and we put the blood of Jesus Christ on our hearts. And uh, because the penalty of sin is death, but if we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we, we have the blood of Christ over our hearts, and death can't touch us. Can I get an amen, everybody? Death can't touch us. But we've got to center everything we do around the gospel of Jesus Christ and nothing else. And nothing else. One last point on that. When Hezekiah came into power, it says that the people had forgotten that ceremony. 
And so the man standing in the gap put it right back square in the middle. But, you know, as I was thinking, Israel was always characterized by spiritual forgetting. Y'all agree with that? I mean, they forgot what God had done. They forgot his mighty works in the past. But look, God always brought them back by reminding them of his great salvation. Listen close. The same is true with us in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse, 20, verse 9. It says that when we grow cold spiritually, it's because we have forgotten that we were cleansed from our sins in the first place. It's, it's, look, it's, it, we've forgotten. That doesn't mean that we don't know that it happened. It's just that it's not real and fresh to us. For you to experience personal awakening, you usually don't need to learn some new precept. You only need to become more intimate with how great a salvation God has given you in Jesus Christ. What happens is that we grow cold to those things, and we get indifferent to those things, and they get put on the back burner. But listen, we need to make sure we know how great our salvation is. Let me ask you, are you cold spiritually? Then ask God to open your eyes to the enormity of what you have in Jesus Christ and what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon you. If, if you don't have revival in your lives, if you can't stand in the gap, and if you can't be what we need to be for Christ, then you ask God to show you just how great salvation is. Because that's what you need. Because revival doesn't mean, revival is means it's, a, it's, awake, it's reawakening something that's already been alive. The gospel, you see, is like a well. You don't find better water by making it wider. You go down deeper. We got to get deep. If we have only one goal here at Cornerstone, it's to help you to behold each week the wonder of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, you were so bad that Jesus had to die to save you. His love for you was so intense that he was glad to die to save you. And it's that jolt that will help you to care and to stand in that void for each other. Look at number four. Revival happens when we devote ourselves in prayer for others. We talked about that two weeks ago. Look at uh, chapter 30, and we're almost done here. Look at chapter 30. We find Hezekiah praying for the people. We're going to look at verses 18, 20, and 27. Look at verse 18. It says, But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, May the Lord who is good pardon everyone. Verse 20, And the Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people. Verse 27, The priests and the Levites stood to pray for the people, and God heard them. For their prayer reached heaven, his holy dwelling place. Isn't that beautiful? Awakening happens when God's people devote themselves to prayer. Do you pray daily for our church? For our local church? Do you pray every day for your children? For your wife? for your husband, for our community, for your friends that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. You know, it's really inconceivable that you want the power of God and you don't pray. Let me give this to you. 
if God answered all your prayers, if God would say, okay, if you, okay, if you just pray this prayer right now this morning and, and, and God says, I will, I will answer all your prayers in one fell swoop, I wonder what would happen here this morning. How about the prayers you pay, prayed this morning before you came to church? If you, I, I wonder, whatever prayer that you prayed this morning before you come to church, I wonder if one fell swoop, if God would just answer all your prayers, I wonder what would change today. Maybe nothing would happen because you were too lazy and too selfish to pray, and so nothing's going to happen, so nothing's going so to change. Is that you? Let me say something. If we're going to stand in the gap, then we need to be people who pray. Prayer that moves mountains. We, we, are, we have communion with the God who is God of all things, and we don't even take the time to pray. I wonder what would happen if God would answer all of our, our prayer requests in one fell swoop. Maybe, if, maybe this morning you prayed for someone's salvation. Maybe you prayed for some, well, your, your neighbor or your friend or your brother or your sister to come to church this morning and hear the gospel and that they would get saved. They would be saved this morning. Right? Wouldn't that be cool? The power of prayer. Maybe if you would have prayed for me this morning, you would have had a good sermon to listen to. I don't know. Maybe you, maybe you prayed for God to teach you something that when you come to church, you'd walk out of here a different person standing in the gap for other people. There's power in prayer. Amen? And then lastly, a revival happens when we abundantly give. Look at chapter 31. The Israelites generously, underline that word, generously gave the first fruits of their grain. In other words, they went out and harvested grain, and they didn't wait to the end of the crop to bring in what was left over. They brought in the first part of it, the best part of it, right? Verse 5, it says the Israelites, I already read that, they brought a great amount, a tithe of everything, and they piled it in heaps. When Hezekiah and his officials came in and saw the heaps, they praised the Lord and blessed his people, Israel. Hezekiah, in verse 9, asked the priests and Levites about the heaps, and Azariah, the chief priest, answered, Since the people began to bring their contributions to the temple of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and plenty to spare, because the Lord has blessed his people, and this great amount is left over. Cornerstone. You can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. No matter how you try, you're never going to outgive God. You know, I was talking to Tommy this week, and um, and you, you know, if if giving for you is just about rules, then you're going to have problems. Because giving is about your heart. It's, it's not about a bunch of rules that you keep. It's, a, it's about your heart. And it's about loving others and standing in the gap for others. You know, here's the way Tommy and I look at it. When we're, we, here's, how, here's how we look at it. We're sons and daughters. We're daughters of a king. 
And we're going to live like it, amen? I mean, Tommy and I quit giving 10% years ago. You know, we're giving 20 and 25%. You know, because why? Because, and I'm not bragging on us, I'm just saying because, because we believe, listen to me, we believe that King Jesus is a king. We believe that he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. And we believe that God opens the windows of heavens unto those who give and who give generously. We believe in giving because we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look, we ought to be a church who gives like they gave here where there's big heaps left over to do what we got to do. But then there's some left over so we can do things that we need to do. We need to give because, look, we give because we believe that people are worth it. We give because we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only way man can get saved. We give because we believe it. Right, everybody? Give the Lord a hand, will you? We believe that. And if we're going to stand in the gap, it says it right here. If we're going to stand in the gap for other people, we have to be those who give. Just one little thing left, and this is it. This is it. Look at, it. Look at this, verse 25 in chapter 30. It says, the entire assembly of Judah rejoiced because it had the heaps. Everybody was being obedient, and everybody gave generous. It wasn't about, it wasn't about the law. It was about, it was about the heart, okay? And so they gave generously. And the entire assembly of Judah rejoiced along with the priests and the Levites and all who had assembled from Israel, including, look at it, the foreigners who had come from Israel and also those who resided in Judah. You know, their generosity not only restored the temple and, and, and their people, but it blessed their neighbors and their foreigners and those who didn't even belong to Israel. Cornerstone, we stand in the gap. And revival or awakening or caring about others will not happen around us when they become less wicked or when our politicians finally get it right, it's only going to happen when we devote ourselves to these things. Number one is we clean up our lives. Number two is we recenter on Scripture. Number three is we center our lives on the gospel. Number four is we devote ourselves in prayer for others. And number five is we give to the work of the Lord. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's all stand this morning and let's bring this to a conclusion. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Just like he did thousands of years ago. Our Lord is searching for a man or a woman. He is searching for all of us. Who will stand in the gap. Who will care about others like he cares. Will that be you? Is God speaking to you this morning? Maybe there's some junk that you got to get rid of before God can really use you to stand in the gap, in that void, and to care about others. Maybe revival isn't happening here at Cornerstone, or revival isn't happening in your home. Or maybe revival isn't, maybe, maybe you're the one keeping revival from happening. You ever think about that? Well, it starts with taking an inventory on the inside 
and, it, and, and it's confessing those things to God and repenting from those things because, because God wants us to stand in that void, but we're only going to do so if we confess that stuff and repent from it. It's that we clean out that junk and we have to recenter our lives on Scripture not, not what this culture tells us to do, but not what lies Satan has embedded upon our own minds. But everything is based on Scripture. That we recenter ourselves on the gospel. And that we devote ourselves in prayer for others. And that we give to the work of the Lord. That's how Ezekiah made a difference in his society. And revival broke loose in his heart. Then it spread into the priest's to the Levites, and to all of Israel. And at the end of the day, they stood amazed. And people who were their neighbors, who were not even Jews or Israelites, they saw that, and their lives were changed as well. You see, an awakening broke out. And it starts with one person. One person. God's asking. He's asking his ambassadors you'll stand in that void for others who are faithless and disobedient. As God leads, we invite you to come. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for your word, and we just pray as we prayed at the beginning that, Lord, your word says um, that your will is is that your word will not um, go void, return void. And, Lord, we I, I pray this morning that we'll challenge ourselves to that and that if we'll, if we'll listen to your word and apply it to our lives, and if we'll take these five attributes and apply them to our life, that, Lord, we'll, we know that your word will not return back void. And so, God, I pray for those here this morning, perhaps some that's never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, that you'll call them, that you'll convict them this morning, that they'll come this morning and accept you as their personal Savior. And Lord, I pray for the rest of us that will just be challenged to care, to care for each other in this room, to care for those who aren't here, to care for those who are sick, and to even care for those who aren't here yet, but that will be praying and that will be giving to the work of the ministry. We give you praise for all that you've done and all that you'll do in Jesus' name. Amen. As the band starts to play, we invite you to come.